Uhuru. You're listening to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show, broadcast live every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on Black Power 96.3 WBPULP, St. Petersburg, Florida, now available as a podcast as well. You can follow Reparations in Action on Podbean at uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. That's uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. My name is Jamie Simpson. I'm Penny Hess. And I'm Jesse Neville. And we'd like to welcome you back to this week's Reparations in Action roundtable discussion of some of the most pressing issues of these times of a colonial system that is in profound crisis. So we want to begin by acknowledging that we are all white people who listen to and participate in Black Power 96, a black community radio station. And we want to begin by saluting the uh, Black Power 96 radio station and the African People's Education and Defense Fund, the nonprofit that uh, guides the work of Black Power 96, not just explaining the world, but changing the world. The mission of the African People's Education and Defense Fund is to address grave disparities faced by the black or African community in uh, economic development, human rights, education, health, and health care. So we unite with that. We salute the studio and African People's Education and Defense Fund. And we just want to say that we are here to address white pe other white people listening to this black community radio station. All of us are white people who believe in solidarity with African liberation and reparations to African people. We believe reparations is our responsibility as white people and is a question that demands action on the part of all European or white people. We will sum up the headlines from the perspective of the African or black working class and from the perspective of unity with reparations and self-determination for African people worldwide on the terms of African people. So as, as always, we're going to start by summing up the headlines with the summation of what Chairman Omalia Chotella, founder and leader of the Uhuru movement, has termed the colonial virus, the coronavirus or COVID-19, cases in the U.S., uh, confirmed cases of coronavirus are now at 2.36 million. Deaths confirmed in the U.S. from this colonial virus are 122,292 at last check today. Nearly half of all states are seeing a rise in the cases and hospitalizations due to coronavirus. And Florida, the state itself, is expected to be the next epicenter of an outbreak in the U.S., and all of this is happening in the wake of a weekend during which President Trump held an incredibly irresponsible rally and white nationalist rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that though it was very uh, underattended from what it was announced to be, still represented a, a big breach of uh, safety measures with respect to the coronavirus. So in that context, let's dive right in to the questions of the day, Jesse and Penny. We wanted to discuss the entire question of colonial symbols coming under attack by African people, by, by the masses of people, and in particular, recently, the uh, Museum of Natural History in New York City has, after many years of complaints from activist groups, is removing an offensive colonial statue of Teddy Roosevelt. And uh, this is a statue which, Penny Hess, you yourself uh, witnessed at a, at a critical yeah. time. And can you, can you tell us a bit about this statue? 
Uhuru, yeah, it's great to be on and really want to salute Chairman Omalia Shatella, who is the leader of the African People's Socialist Party and the African People's Solidarity Committee, white organization under its leadership, of which I am the chair, have the honor of being the chair. And I want to salute the leadership of the party, including Deputy Chair Omizanea Shatella, who made you know, this show possible and our understanding. So it's very exciting to be here today. One of the things that Chairman O'Malley Shatella, who's had many, many um, web shows and press conferences and different kinds of events during the last uh, couple of months of this lockdown, one of the main issues and questions of this and then the um, subsequent police murder of George Floyd and the powerful resistance led by the African working class that we're seeing just like deepening the crisis of imperialism and really ripping this white nationalist parasitic capitalist system to shreds. Um, one of the things the chairman has consistently put out is that the conditions that African people face in this country and wherever they are on the planet is colonialism, not racism. And that I think that this is something that is, you know, this is, of course, has always been a key understanding of the party's political theory of African internationalism since the very day that the African People's Socialist Party was founded in May of 1972. Uh, but it's becoming so clear that every aspect of the life of African people is one of oppression. There is no segment of life that an African person does not face profound oppression, extreme violence from the state and poverty and, you know, just uh, the, the wrath and, and, and the violence of the general white population in this country and wherever African people are on the continent or wherever they have been forcibly dispersed around the world. So I think that what we're seeing right now is just complete evidence of that scientific analysis of the chairman, that this isn't based on the ideas in white people's heads. This is based on the state and the struggle of African people is against colonialism. And that's what we're seeing in, in a symbolic way in the demands for every monument and statue that represents colonialism, that represents white power, that represents uh, parasitic capitalism built on the enslavement of African people and genocide be ripped down by this incredible movement led by the African working class that we're seeing going on inside this country right now. So, you know, you know of course, we've seen all the Confederate um, generals and statues go. We've seen Christopher Columbus go. We've seen, you know, every... Uh, you know, other kinds of, of representatives in colonial history. And it's, it's really um, profound that it's going deeper now. It's going deeper. It's not just the most obvious Confederates and all that kind of thing. It's going deeper into colonizers and leaders of the colonial state. Um, their statues are being called to 
being forced to be removed. And one of them is the statue of Theodore Roosevelt that stands in front of the Museum of Natural History in New York City. And I was there about nine years ago, almost 10 years ago, when New York, uh, another comrade and I, by the way, Ruby Gittleson, we, we went there to see um, New York's exhibit that was a temporary exhibit that was taking place in this museum of, quote, slavery in New York. And, you know, as we were going into the building, it was the first time I had been in that building that I remember um, that we walked past this giant statue of Theodore Roosevelt on a horse with an African on one side and an indigenous man on the other side, this bronze statue that's on a pedestal very high. I think a lot of people perhaps walked into that without ever looking up at it. And it shows that the African and, and indigenous men are walking and it almost looks like that they're holding up the horse that he's riding, that they're actually holding it up, which is completely, you know, what the reality is that, that this land and white power is built on the genocide of indigenous people, the theft of their land and the enslavement of Africans and the massive wealth that was built on that. So now um, this movement is targeting, targeting this statue, which is, um, has been in front of the Museum of Natural History since 1940. And and by the way, there's other things, you know, this whole thing of Museum of Natural History is usually includes kind of zoos of human beings that are colonizers usually, that are colonized people, um, usually indigenous, African, or others from around the world that are inside of these, you know, these exhibits of how the indigenous people supposedly lived and all this sort of thing as they were being conquered and slaughtered and wiped out by, you know, by the colonizers. So the whole museum itself is, is really impressive. The, the slavery museum was, we got into huge struggles with some of the people giving the talks, you know, the official museum um, tour guides who were saying that the reason that Africans were brought to New York is because they were sold by African people on the continent of Africa, oh. blamed it on Africans. And, you know, we were trying to take that on. It was really offensive in, in every wow. way to begin with. And it was in a building that was guarded by Theodore Roosevelt and, you know, two colonized subjects holding up his horse. So it is time that this is coming down. And, and of course, it is because of the leadership of the African working class movement. You know, this is what's bringing it down. And, and there's, we see this, um, Jamie, you know, we see this all over the U.S. And, and by the way, many, as it relates in this article in the New York Times from a couple of days ago, from June 21st, it is saying that there are many in the museum who agree that the statue has to be taken down. Also, Theodore Roosevelt's, I believe, great-grandson also is saying it has to go down. But they do uphold 
the um, the fact that Roosevelt was a quote conservationist and responsible for building the national park system of the United States. And, you know, of course, that alone involved extreme violence against the indigenous people to take them out of their land and to turn these uh, lands into basic preserves for the enjoyment of white people. Uh, I mean, and, you know, Roosevelt was responsible for the Spanish-American War, which killed at least 200,000 people in the Philippines, slaughtered them, and really genocide in the Philippines, responsible for conquest, um, manifest destiny. He used to force indigenous people to come to the White House and ride their horses with their, their full um, headdress on. Um, you know, just in a demeaning colonizer way to show a conquered people, you know, everything about him was about U.S. imperialism and the rise of U.S. colonial domination of the entire U.S. land base and the, uh, and the world, you know. And so he was a key colonizer we, know, we also know that there's a huge struggle going on outside of the White House right now, the statue of Andrew Jackson, which is really powerful and that needs to come down as well. He is still a white person's hero today. And Jackson was not only a slave master, a traitor in African human beings, but also um, not only slaughtered indigenous people, but skinned them turned their human skin into um, leather. I mean, horrible, you know, horrible things that were based on what white people do and have done to conquer this land, to, to murder and slaughter the indigenous people. So Andrew Jackson must come down over in England. There is struggle over Churchill and, um, uh, you know, Cecil Rhodes, I think Oxford University now is taking down Cecil Rhodes, and that's a struggle that's been going on, led by Africans on in, in Azania against, you know, it was a whole movement called Rhodes Must Fall um, three or four years ago. They're finally agreeing that Cecil Rhodes has to come down. Um, Churchill, you know, they're trying to protect Churchill, who was a vicious, vicious white nationalist colonizer who participated in in the wars in Africa, which he called splendid little wars against Africans in Sudan and other places where with machine guns, they killed thousands of African resistance fighters in a single afternoon and then went out and celebrated with roast beef and champagne. Um, and, you know, just was responsible for the, for the murder of millions, millions of people in India, starving them to death, stealing their, their resources and their food during the time of the Second Imperialist War for no reason whatsoever except to starve and kill them. And, you know, he was a known colonizer around the world. He fought the Soviet Union. Um, he, that's what he, his target was in the Second Imperialist War. So you know, these colonizers have to go. And it was really, really powerful. And I would just say also that statues of Gandhi have been taken down, forced taken down, not all in this period, some in the last few years. 
on the continent of Africa in um, Ghana. He was uh, neo-colonial and he was, um, you know, he detested African people and, and was a force to continue the colonization of African people. We also know um, that in Belgium, they, the same movement is fighting King Leopold and the statues of King Leopold who killed 12 million or more Africans in Congo, stealing their land and their labor, the rubber industry, and so many other others around the world. So, you know, in this context, by the way, we are also standing up in solidarity with the the, the struggle of Chairman Omalia Shatella as the city who, who first was one of the first to rip down colonial symbols when he ripped down the, um, the, the mural on the, that stood on the stairwell on the wall in the city hall of St. Petersburg, Florida, that showed African people as, um, you know, just hideous caricatures entertaining white people on the beaches of St. Petersburg, Florida. So the, the city is now attacking him, attempting to um, put, up a, um, put up a plaque that does not even say his name, that says his name from back then. And, you know, in so many other ways, did not go through him, did not discuss this with him or with African people. So this question, you know, is, is a deep question. And it's, it's really, really symbolic and representative, indicative of the sentiment of anti-colonial struggle here and around the world. And, um, you know, it shows that U.S. imperialism and colonial power is weakened and is struggling just to rebound from, from this, uh, you know, this incredible struggle that we see there. And the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party that is determined that colonialism and all vestiges of colonial power will be wiped off this planet forever, and that African people will be free and liberated on the continent of Africa, have the return of their resources, reparations to African people, and the unity of African people all around the world. And white people can stand in solidarity with that and fight for reparations to African people. Fantastic. Penny, I, I really appreciate that. I, I really appreciate all, all your expertise. And I, the, the fact that you wrote the book, Overturning the Culture of Violence, um, was incredibly helpful from my understanding of, of our history and, and the need to hold ourselves accountable to it and uh, the identity of people like Andrew Jackson on, on whom uh, Hitler based a, a lot of his plans for the, uh, the Holocaust on what Andrew Jackson did to the indigenous people through the, uh, the Trail of Tears, That's the right. Indian Removal Act, mm -hmm. and um, I, I just appreciate your your contribution under under the leadership of the, of the African People's Socialist Party. And I just wanted to, to point out too. I think it's indicative as well of, of what you're saying uh, about the um, the line of African internationalism, which is mm -hmm. the theory that Chairman Omalia Shatella of the African People's Socialist Party developed that that guides the international struggle for liberation of African people is is really starting to show its impact within the bourgeois media. Even in this article by the New York Times, I want to quote on the question of uh, Theodore Roosevelt's statue. It says, for many, the
the equestrian statue at the museum's Central Park West entrance has come to symbolize a painful legacy of colonial expansion and ra racial discrimination. So I just think that's really mm -hmm. significant that the ruling class mm -hmm. media is starting to tie together this question of uh, racial discrimination and colonialism, that, that idea of making it a struggle against colonialism is going viral. Jesse, did you have any thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I really appreciate this discussion. And I think, I, I totally agree that this is very, very significant. And it reminds me of, you know, the analysis that Chairman O'Malley Shatella has put forward about the, the superstructure that you know, there's, you know, there's a superstructure that is the the structure of ideas and symbols and culture and philosophy that re responds to and reflects and rests upon an economic base in any given society, and of course the economic foundation of the whole superstructure in the world today is parasitic capitalism and the enslavement and colonization of African and other oppressed peoples around the world. And the, the removal of the statues is, you know, is a reflection of the assault that is being made by the resistance of African people on, on the very economic foundation of parasitic capitalism itself. And the chairman always puts that forward that, you know, you know the, the struggle of African people in this country and around the world represents a mortal threat to parasitic capitalism. Um, so it's, it's very powerful and uh, I, yeah, <laughs> it's great. They all have to come down and the whole system that they represent has to come down. And I, I totally unite with um, Chairwoman Penny that white people have to get involved, have to get organized, have to get under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party and build solidarity with the African anti-colonial struggle. And just in terms of the mention of Hitler uh, that was just made, you know, I, I just want to, you know, agree with what, what Jamie said and also Chairman Amalia Chatella's famous statement that compared to Churchill, compared to these guys that we're talking about, Hitler was a Boy Scout mm -hmm. and that, that nothing Hitler did could even compare, even in terms of sheer numbers, but that what, you know, what made Hitler into the ultimate tyrant in That's world right. history in the eyes of white people is that he did to a sector of the European population who were Jews, what Europe as a whole, including Jews, had yeah. been doing to the rest of the world since the dawn of colonial, colonial slavery. And in fact, um, there's, there's books that have been written about this that you know all of the so-called Nazi race laws and things like that that were written they studied Jim Crow law in the in the United States when formulating um, the you know the whole legal framework for Nazi Germany with regards to Jews and others, and they actually the Nazis actually decided that some of the uh, the, the Jim Crow laws were too harsh, so they they didn't use all of them. Mm -hmm. So it's wow. true, it's very true, and yeah, colonialism has to be destroyed, for real. Go ahead. That's just stunning, Jesse. I'm, I'm just off the top of my head, I'm thinking how many fictionalized accounts there are in, in the superstructure, as yeah. Chairman Amali calls it. You know, we, um, 
I, I believe there's a, a Philip K. Dick book and, and now a TV series, uh, kind of a counterfactual about what if the Nazis had won and what if America were under the rule of the Third Reich and the, the, the fact that the Nazis themselves were trying to emulate America, were trying to be exactly what America is, this prison of nations where white people have the right of life or death over African and indigenous people. And, and they weren't, even if I'm not mistaken, Hitler himself acknowledged he wasn't able to get to the point Hero. that Andrew Jackson get. I just wanted to put forward the petition of the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement that is on change.org, the petition on the crime of genocide against African people in the United States, which has 112,747 signatures at africanstowardsgenocide.org. Please circulate that and sign that. That is a brilliant petition charging genocide against African people in the United States and is just, you know, just getting massive response right now. Could you say the website one more time? Africanschargedgenocide.org. It's on change.org, but you can get there through africanschargedgenocide.org. Fantastic. Remember, these statues coming down is a good thing, but it can't replace the need to overturn colonialism itself and win reparations. You're listening to Reparations in Action. We'll be back in a moment. Uhuru, welcome back on this section of Reparations in Action. Uh, we wanted to talk about the ongoing struggle with the moneyed sector or the ruling class, or Wall Street. They go by many names, uh, this moneyed yeah. sector of imperialism. And Jesse Neville, can you update us on that struggle? Uhuru, yes. I'm looking forward to discussing this today. Um, so the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, as some of our listeners may know, is involved in waging a major campaign under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party and Chairman Amalia Shatella to demand reparations from the banks and corporations in this country and internationally for uh, you know, reparations to African people, specifically in the form of ongoing transfer of resources to the Black Power Blueprint project in St. Louis that represents the front lines of the struggle of African people for political and economic power over their lives. And this campaign has already involved a series of bold actions carried out in front of Bank of America, or in front of J.P. Morgan Chase, rather, in Boston and New York, uh, just a few weeks ago, where people from the Uhuru Solidarity Movement got into cars that were decked out in banners and uh, and did a car rally in front of bank locations in Boston and New York, including the corporate headquarters of J.P. Morgan and the one of the homes of the CEO, Jamie Dimon to demand reparations to African people for the role that banks have played in the larger economic structure of parasitic capitalism built on the enslavement of African people, the genocide, the colonialism, the mass incarceration, police murder, the gentrification, the subprime mortgage scam that targeted African people, and so much more. And the uh, Uhuru Solidarity Movement also hosted a very powerful press conference with Chairman Omalia Shatella as the speaker in front of Bank of America that uh, was covered in the bourgeois media and has resulted in a growing 
uh, demand, not just for reparations in the abstract, but for banks to actually pay reparations. This is, this is something that is, is really catching on and the Uhuru Solidarity Movement is going to be intensifying this campaign in the coming weeks and months, uh, you know, as we go forward in, in this year. Uhuru, this is Penny. And I just really want to salute that brilliant press conference, I believe a week or so ago. Chairman O'Malley should tell his statement was electrifying on the question of why Wall Street owes reparations. And Jesse, the statement that you gave from the Uhuru Solidarity Movement was also really profound, really, really excellent basis for, um, for this case that Wall Street banks were built on the enslavement of African people, turning African people into collateral for loans, um, into property, into assets, and, you know, and just what that means. And, and that's the foundation, you know, of this whole um, society and, and the economy. And, you know, that they owe reparations and how that has sparked, you know, as you're saying, responses from African people elsewhere to um, make, make these banks, Bank of America and J.P. Morgan Chase, pay reparations. And I just wanted to mention an article that was in Fortune magazine online this week, or last week, that's saying <clears throat> that the Bank of England apologized on Friday for its historic links to slavery and promised to ensure no images of former bank officials who owned slave or profited for slavery are on display. Hey, how about giving back all the money? The UK Central Bank had 27 former members, including 11 former bank governors and 16 directors who owned slaves or profited directly from the trade in African people, according to a database maintained by the University College London. The bank's announcements comes one day after two venerable, it says, brand name British companies, insurance exchange Lloyd's of London, which was built on the trade in African people, and the brewer Green King announced that they would make reparations payments for the historic role the firms played in slavery. The Royal Bank of Scotland, one of the country's biggest retail banks, which had several slaveholding directors, told Daily Telegraph that it is considered doing the same. And there's a lot we can say on that, but we can talk about that the next time. Um, and I just wanted to just read it one a couple more things here. It says Lloyd's from this Fortune article, June 18th, Lloyd's was founded in a London coffee house in 1688 and later underwrote insurance policies on voyages transporting Africans. They weren't slaves, they were African human beings, um, as well as the commodities such as sugar, coffee, and cotton that their labor produced. The company said in a statement that it cannot always be proud of our past. It apologized for the role played by the Lloyd's market in the 18th and 19th century trade in African human beings, an appalling and shameful period of English history as well as our own. Hmm. The exchange said it would invest in ways to recruit, retain, and develop more black and minority ethnic market participants and provide financial support to charities and other organizations promoting diversity and inclusion among other steps. I just wanted to raise that because the, the fact is that Lloyds of London is, 
is significant in terms of the depth that British and U.S. capitalism, you know, um, assaulted and committed genocide and, and attacked and turned African human beings into items for sale, into commodities, that this is what, and the stolen labor of African peoples, this is what created the enormous wealth Mm-hmm. of Britain and the U.S. and all of Europe that it has today. This is how great the stolen resources were. And what they have done to African people, Britain owned it, an empire upon which the sun never set. It went entirely around the world. And that Britain and um, Lloyds of London and the, the British Central Bank, the Bank of England, have no right to determine what the money will go to African people, especially led by the party of the African working class, will make that determination. For them to say, oh, this is what we think you want, or this is what you need, is the ultimate of colonial domination. And this, this struggle will continue to go on um, and it's being raised and deepened every day by the work of the African People's Socialist Party and just the, the deepening of the colonial, um, anti-colonial struggle being waged by African people here and around the world. Really appreciate that and agree with you, uh, Penny Hatz. And I, I think that's, that's also why it's, it's so important that we maintain this demand for reparations under under the leadership of the African working class as, as a way to take a stand against capitalism and our, our own ruling class and that it can't be uh, reparations is not charity reparations can't be a handout it's it's got to go to a, a liberated anti-colonial economy and that that's why i think it's so brilliant this strategy of the african people's socialist party the uhuru movement demanding that reparations be paid directly to the black power blueprint because as Chairman Wale Hishatella said, reparations must go toward an anti-colonial project. And this is the only project that I'm aware of, it's certainly in, in North America, that is explicitly an anti-colonial project that's building the economic power of African people to negate the influence and power of these cruel banks bloated with the, 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 the blood money of African people the power that they have over the lives of African people must be overthrown. And that's what reparations to the black power blueprint will do. Absolutely. That is, that is a project clearly for political and economic power in the hands of the African working class, not against racism, against the colonial domination, which strips African and colonized people of all power, of all resources, of all wealth, dooms them to permanent poverty and imprisonment and subjects of police violence and all of this. It, it has to be overturned. And the Black Power Blueprint represents one of the projects of the African People's Socialist Party that is clearly dedicated to Black power, political and economic power, creating a liberated African working class economy. It's very powerful. It must be funded by reparations from these corporations that have built themselves for centuries at the expense of African people. This uh, Make Wall Street 
pay reparations campaign is something that people listening to this discussion, nodding their heads and uh, in agreement can join. And I just want to say that um, people should should join us. Uh, you can participate in our committee meetings. You can go to uhurusolidarity.org slash Wall Street to get more information and fill out the form uh, to get involved or email info at uhurusolidarity.org and get involved in working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party to wage this struggle and turn our backs on our own ruling class and join the anti-colonial struggle, which is the, the essence of a real fight against capitalism. And we are going to be having a lot of actions, including a global day of action for reparations on July 4th, and many other actions after that. We want to make it impossible for Wall Street to function without acknowledging this demand and meeting this demand for reparations to African people and reparations to the Black Power Blueprint. So I just wanted to make a plug for that, that, that uh, anyone who's listening that wants to be a part of this, which I know there are many thousands of white people out there who want to take a, st a stand on the forward side of history, this is where it's at, this campaign right here to make Wall Street pay reparations. This is not Occupy Wall Street 2.0. This is a whole other thing. This is, this is part of the African revolution. And this is our front that we have to carry out, our responsibility that we have to carry out under the leadership of the vanguard party of the African working class. So for real. Jesse, I was really? wondering, I'm sorry, Jamie, just one thing. I was wondering, Jesse, could you say a little bit more about what the global day of action for reparations on July 4th will involve? Absolutely. Uh, the Global Day of Action for Reparations is going to involve demonstrations in every city where we can possibly make them happen, not only in the United States, but also in London and possibly in Germany as well. We're having meetings with people in, in different places around the world to hold actions. You can go out with your, uh, you know, organize other people to go with you hold a banner and uh, signs uh, calling for reparations to African people and specifically make taking a stand against Wall Street's funding and profiteering from U.S. imperialist wars at home and abroad, including the war against African people in this country. Uh, we have only begun to scratch the surface in exposing the depths to which the banking industry is very much complicit and uh, and actually a primary sponsor of the colonial police terror that is carried out against African people. That, in addition to international wars of occupation and imperialist aggression that are funded by Wall Street around the world. On, on this day, this July 4th so-called holiday of U.S. imperialism that is supposed to celebrate independence uh, for one section of colonial settlers from another, um, and fireworks are exploded in the skies to represent and, and glorify U.S. imperialist warfare. Um, we want to mobilize white people around the world to come out and transform that into a day of solidarity with independence for African people, a global day of action for reparations to African people in the U.S. and around the world. Thank you so much for that. Jesse Neville, and I think just for disclosure, I should uh, remind or state that you are the, ch the international chair 
of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, and uh, that Penny Hess, you are the chairwoman of the African People Solidarity Committee. These are both organizations that work under the leadership of the African People Socialist Party for Reparations, Solidarity with African Liberation. If you want more information on that July 4th Global Day of Action for Reparations, Jesse, could you repeat that web address? Yes, it's uh, uhurusolidarity.org, and you can also go to directly to uhurusolidarity.org slash Wall Street, and information will be available. Thank you, Jesse and Penny, and we'll be right back with the last segment of Reparations in Action. Uhuru, welcome back to this segment of Reparations in Action this 23rd day of June 2020, and this past month alone, there have been six African human beings found hanging from trees. We want to turn now to Jesse Neville to give us some details of this from a Washington Post article. Uhuru, Jesse. Uhuru. So this is an article from Washington Post called Police say deaths of black people by hanging are suicides. Many black people aren't so sure, which is quite an understatement. Clearly, what is meant is that African people are very sure that what they're referring to as suicides are just lynchings, colonial murders of African people. Uh, this article is written by Stacy Patton, who is the author of a book that is being published soon called Strung Up, The Lynching of Black Children and Teenagers in America from 1880 to 1968. And the article reads, the historical seasons have changed. And once again, America's trees are bearing a strange and bitter fruit, dead black bodies. In less than one month, six black people have been found hanging from trees in California, Georgia, New York, Oregon, and Texas. Authorities say that all of these deaths appear to be suicides with no signs of foul play. But family members of the deceased protesters and activists and some scholars of anti-Black violence are intuitively suspicious about those conclusions. Rumors are also swirling on social media that these deaths are lynchings, with Twitter users saying things like, with sound body and mind, I'm here to tell you right now, if my body is found hanging from a tree, I did not commit suicide, I was murdered, end quote. These incidents are happening at a time of nationwide racial upheaval, when people are already on edge and suspicious about police accounts of their encounters with black people. Tree hangings evoke traumatic memories of America's grisly history of unpunished lynchings, of thousands of black adults and children between 1880 and 1968. So, and this article also mentions that suicide is part of, you know, it's really a white thing in a lot of ways. Uh, the rate of suicide for African people is 60% lower than for white people. And that, in the, you know, it's just not something that happens where African people are committing suicide by hanging themselves. And the article uh, goes on to talk about how, um, you know, it's difficult for many in the African community to believe that within a matter of weeks, six black people chose to hang themselves by the neck in public from trees, while the fire of racial politics continues to blaze. Kenya Robinson, the mother of Otis or Titi Gully, 31, who was found hanging from a tree in Rocky 
Boot Park in uh, uh, Portland, Oregon on May 27th says she believes her son, who used the pronoun she, was murdered. Robinson says Portland police didn't ask any questions about Gully's death and have treated her concerns with indifference. You saw a black man in a tree who was in a homeless camp and you wrote him off as being a transient homeless and wrote it off as suicide, Robinson told the Portland Mercury. She demanded an autopsy, which ultimately ruled Gully's death a suicide. She also reportedly told police that other homeless people said they witnessed Gully being murdered and hung to make it look like a suicide and that someone has video evidence. The families of Malcolm Harsh and Robert Fuller, who were found hanging from trees in Southern California within 10 days and 50 miles of each other, are also denying police claims that the deaths were suicides. On social media, attention is also focusing on the fact that Fuller's brother, Tehran Jamal Boone, was killed by sheriff's deputies in Los Angeles County last week. The historical context is impossible to overlook as the number of similar deaths increases. The article explains a little bit later that during the era in which lynchings were common, it was not uncommon for the deaths of black men to be ruled as suicides to cover up murders by white mobs and police. The Civil Rights and Restorative Justice Project based at Northeastern University has been compiling a database of lynchings and other forms of anti-black murder. Jay Driscoll, a consulting historian for the project, says the trend of declaring black lynchings to be suicides stretches back to the 1930s. So far, he's found around two dozen cases from 1930 to 1956. In each case, a public figure, police officer, coroner, or jury deemed the deaths to be suicides and not lynchings or extra-legal murders. Ab Young, a farm laborer from Sladen, Mississippi, who was killed on March 12th, 1935, after being accused of killing a state highway worker, fled to Tennessee and was captured by a mob that dragged him back to Mississippi where he was hanged in a schoolyard, his body peppered with bullets. His lynching was advertised in advance. A reporter and photographer showed up to document the event. Nearly 50 people were involved and a coroner's jury ruled that Young's death was a suicide. So, just want to stop there for a second. I mean, ha, it's considering the historical context, considering the fact that this is what happens to African people in this country. It's insane to me that, that we would even have a, a debate or a discussion about whether or not these were suicides. That is an obvious lie. That is an, an obvious extreme lie that they are telling to cover up these lynchings, these colonial murders. Yes. Yeah. It, I mean, I think really that, go ahead, James. No, I, well, I, yeah, I, I, just, I just really unite with what you're saying and it, 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 it's, it's infuriating. And it reminds me of more recent cases like Sandra Bland, yeah. when when Sandra Bland was murdered at the hands of police, they tried to claim that she hung herself with a plastic bag, and the, the, just the fact that they say this with a straight face that there were attempts to in the beginning to justify the murder of George Floyd, even though we saw that so clearly, and it's it's just 
it, it boggles the mind what, what they expect us to believe. Uhuru, please, please go ahead, Penny. Yes. Um, well, I just wanted to say that just like these statues, the right to have the power of life and death over African people in the hands of white people is something that is being fought for and fought to be protected and to continue. That this is the history of the United States. This is the history of the world wherever colonialism is. And that, you know, just to remember that no white person was ever charged with any crime in this torture and terror and slaughter of African people that's called lynchings in mm. the United States. In fact, it was not illegal. In fact, the anti-lynching law, quote unquote, which all of these great liberals like Franklin Roosevelt and you know Kennedy, none of them passed the anti-lynching law. It's actually passed the House and Congress this year, 2020, as a symbolic thing that you know, isn't about power in the hands of the African working class, but nevertheless, it passed this year. Of course, it has not been signed into law by Trump. Um, but the, the fact is that, yeah, Africans are killed every day. I just remember what comes to my head is what the chairman has been repeating over and over again, that colonialism requires extreme violence. Yep. And all white people, are as deputized as the sheriff, as the cops, as uh, you know, any other uh, representative of the state, white people are deputized to take this on. And that was very clear in Ahmaud Aubrey's case that only, only, you know, those guys were only arrested. The white guys were only arrested after, mm -hmm. you know, a huge protest erupted and uh, and we'll see what even happens to them, actually. But the entire police department was complicit with them. They represented the cops, and that was that was clear. Yep. Same with Zimmerman. You know, he was basically a, a uh, an agent of the colonial state in the murder of Trayvon Martin. That was clear to the state. Um, so that's the reality. Of course, they were murdered. Of course, they were murdered, and even if they did do something to themselves, it would still be murder under yeah. colonialism because this system, as it said, one of the persons was homeless yeah. because the system drives African people to the most desperate situations um, just to be able to survive, to be able to feed themselves. It's it, you know, just horrible inside the borders of the United States. So no matter what happened, it was murder by white power, by the U.S. state, with the complicity of the majority of the white population. And, and as, as, as you said, Penny, as, as Chairman Amalia Shatella said, this is what colonialism does. This mm -hmm. is what colonialism is. Yeah. I believe it was Franz Fanon called colonialism naked violence. It's, it's and the origin of this question of lynchings, I, I really appreciate the summations that, that I've heard from you, Penny Hess, and, and from Chairman Amalia Shatella about the, the origin of, of what we talk about as the white people's state here, at least in the United States. And as you said, anywhere where uh, European or white colonialism, white power has taken over, 
not as though there's an official um, army that always comes in. Certainly here in the United States, there was no memo that went out to average white people saying, we need you to gather together in large crowds and torture and murder and display the bodies of African people. We, we enthusiastically did that. And that legacy is still here, even if it doesn't take the form of these horrific uh, demonstrations of depravity and violence against African people in, you know, in open with the kinds of postcards that are documented in, in the book that you wrote, uh, Penny, Overturning the Culture of Violence and in 100 Years of Lynchings. But we, we know that these forces uh, of colonial oppression of African people still operate inside institutions like the police department, like the FBI, and indeed the average white citizen, as you're talking about, whether it's uh, George Zimmerman killing Trayvon Martin, or, or whether it's Darren Wilson, who murdered Mike Brown, and then they left his body to rot in the, in the middle of August, and Darren Wilson is rewarded by the white population with uh, close to a million dollars worth. So this is why we owe reparations. And Desi, could you help us out with, we have some upcoming announcements. We're coming to the end of this episode of Reparations in Action. I really appreciate both of your participations. We wanted to let everyone know that there is a concert up the anniversary of the album Let's Get Free by Dead Prez as well as D'Angelo and Chairman Omalia Shatella. Jesse, can you tell us about this upcoming concert? Absolutely. I, this has been a great show today. Thank you to both Penny and you, Jamie. And uh, the Dead Prez uh, event is happening on Friday, June 26, 2020. Our very own Chairman Omalia Shatella will be participating in a special virtual concert celebrating the 20th anniversary of the release of the album let's get free by dead prez which was one of is one of the most celebrated hip-hop albums ever made uh, that includes samples of of very famous speeches made by chairman amalia chatella uh m1 from dead prez uh the journalist tim hotep who has written for afropunk pitchfork and other music publications about the significance of Dead Prez and the chairman. Uh, the, the producer who was behind um, the album, Let's Get Free, Sean C. And uh, the singer-songwriter, D'Angelo, will all be participating in this historic event on Friday night. So that's gonna be broadcast from Chairman Omalia Chatella's Facebook page, as well as from the Burning Spear TV YouTube channel and everyone should definitely mark your calendars and tune in for that amazing event. And if you want to hear more from Penny Hass, there is a study tomorrow, Wednesday, June 24th at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central. And it's a political education study led by Penny Hess, chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee and author of Overturning the Culture of Violence. The African People's Solidarity Committee is the organization of white people formed by the African People's Socialist Party to extend the struggle for African liberation and reparations into the belly of the beast. 
Chairwoman Penny will present a study from the lens of Chairman Amalia Chatella's theory of African internationalism on the incredible history of African, indigenous, Asian, and colonized people's resistance to colonialism from the beginnings of imperialism's assault on Africa to the present day rebellions against colonial police terror. And if you wanted to participate in that, you can register at tinyurl.com slash tear down colonialism. That's tinyurl.com forward slash tear down colonialism. So look out for those events on your calendar. And I want to thank everyone who tuned in. I want to remind you, you're listening to Black Power 96 WBPULP in St. Petersburg. And thank Jesse Neville. Anyhow, this has been Reparations in Action. My name is Jamie Simpson, and we will talk to you next week. Uhuru. Uhuru. Uhuru.